This episode of Wine Time Fridays is brought to you by the Culinary Stone, located in the village at Riverstone. The Culinary Stone is not just about things on a shelf, it's an emotional connection, a story, and an experience. Along with every kitchen tool imaginable, the very popular cooking classes and the wine classes, the Culinary Stone has the deli and the cafe that will keep you coming back time and time again. And their BBQ and Band Summer Series brings offerings off the grill to go with local musical talents through September 9th. August 5 is Honey Soy Pork Chops with music by David Reed. August 12th is California Grilled Chicken with music by Vinyl Instinct. And August 19th is Caprice Steak with the ever-popular Buckley Storms. For more information on everything happening at the Culinary Stone, please visit culinarystone.com or book your spot in any of our classes by simply calling 208-277-4116. Yeah, and this, um, all the fruit comes from Horse Heaven Hills area, and this is the same fruit that I've been working with since it was planted. Obviously, favorite. It's just this really steep slope, um, and those grapes just really struggle to throughout the growing season, and that brings out a lot of that earthiness and that dirt and the spice, and I love it. This is chewy. It is. This, Vic's looking at me like, what the hell? <laughs> it's just liquid. <laughs> this is chewy. It's been a long week, right? Are you ready to wind down? Why not? It's time for the Wine Time Fridays podcast with Shelly and Phil. Neither are sommeliers, but both have a deep passion for life, each other, and of course, delicious wine. And now, here to talk about this week over a glass of wine is Shelly and Phil. It's wine time. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Wine Time Fridays. Unbelievable. It is July 30th. In two days, it's August. Unbelievable. Shelly... I'm gonna say this. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Happy Friday flowers. We haven't talked about that at all. No, well, let's not bring them out tonight. Happy Friday. <laughs> it's wine time. Okay, so like last week, we had the wine time Friday's word of the week. At the very front end, we're gonna do the same thing tonight. Our wine time Friday. Do you wanna do this one? Do you want me to say what the word is? Yes. Urban winery. Okay, do you want to tell us what urban winery is? No. No? Okay, no, I'm going to do it then. An urban winery is a relatively new phenomenon whereby producers choose to locate winemaking facilities in an urban environment rather than in the more traditional rural locations. Shelley, why is that important? It's important because this particular winery we're talking about today is an urban winery. That is exactly right. We have Jody Elsom with Elsom Cellars, who is, they are an urban winery. Jody, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yay. You drove all the way from Seattle to little Coeur Idaho just for this podcast. So excited about that. <laughs> Not for the beach, the lake, or anything <laughs> or like any that. Or any of the beauty, but... <laughs> right. Um, it, it, it would be worthwhile to say we have in our glass a reception wine, which is a wine we featured probably three weeks ago. It is the 2020 Alvarino from Elson Cellars. Every wine we are drinking tonight will be from Elson Cellars. 
and some of their honorary labels, honorary labels. It's easy for me to say mm-hmm. after two sips. <laughs> uh, so do you want a real, well, let's do a Wine Time Friday's toast on the reception wine to health, wealth, and abundance, gratitude, romance. And peace on earth. That's right. Perfect. Right over the microphone. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and Shelly, to your giggles. Mm. All right. So we now get to hear from the owner of the winery about this Albarino. And uh, the fact that we opened with this still, even though we featured it, it's because Albarino Days starts on Sunday. Five days of Albarino Days. August 1 through August 5. Jody, tell us a little bit about this wine. Um, well, it is actually the first white wine we've ever commercially produced. Um, when I started the winery, I swore it would never make a white wine. So really, um, yes, <laughs> I had well, nothing a, wrong with Albarino, man. Oh, uh, I had a bathtub Chardonnay as I was playing around that uh, left me a little gun shy on the white wines. Okay, but uh, the Albarino is is absolutely fabulous, and it's fun to feature a grape that is not you know the norm. Exactly. Um, it's from Dutchman Vineyard over in Yakima Valley, which is a fabulous vineyard site as well. So you can get a lot of those um, tropical fruits out of it. So much. Um, yeah, it's it's been a really fun wine to drink. I can guarantee that. Um, nice and refreshing here in the summer. So. It's a perfect it's summer delicious. wine. Uh, when we were ramping up to this, I know I asked you this off air, but I wanted to ask you on air. Uh, you're primarily selling wines through wine club and through your tasting room. Predominantly. 80 cent, 80%? 80%, oh, probably more like 90. Okay. Yeah. The whole intent when I started the winery is I wanted to bring people together. And I love having, you know, people over for dinner parties. It's like what the tasting room is. So right. it's like, come to me and try the wines and, um, and share in that experience. So that's why that focus has really been at the tasting room. Um, and with our wine club members, you know, the extended family. Exactly. The reason I ask is because most of these wines, if people want to buy them, they basically have to go to your website. Correct. And so we... Or come visit. Or come visit. That's right. Yes. <laughs> uh, now, how open is Seattle right now? Is it pretty mm-hmm. open? Um, we have a, we have just opened. Okay. How's that? Um, so yeah, we're, the tasting room is open Thursday through Sunday and, um, we're doing a lot of events throughout the week. So we're, we're hitting it hard and trying to come back alive after being shut down hard for way too long. Way yeah. too long. Mm-hmm. And, and I might echo way too long. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you are actually classify your wines as Seattle made and Washington grown. Yes. You want to expand on that a little bit? Um, it's really fun to make wine in the city. It has its challenges. Um, but making wine in the city, it's close to home. It's close to family and friends. And there's just so much activity going on in Seattle. Uh, it's It's been fun to be one of the, the few producers that are actually making wine within the city limits. Um, it's enabled us a partnership with one of our um, honorary wines that we'll chat about later as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. Um, but Do you get there other wineries within your area? Is it in Soto, right? Yeah, in okay. Soto. Um, we're just south of Seattle and um, in still really in the urban core. Um, but there's a handful of other wineries that actually produce. But for the most part, they're tasting rooms. And the, and the production activity all happens up on the eastern side of the state. 
Um, but yeah, we actually haul the grapes over um, from the vineyards on the eastern side of the state over to our tasting room production facility there in the city and do all the work there. I have a large um, group of volunteers I can draw from with friends and family to help with the production activities too. So that's, that's fantastic. Nice. <laughs> Uh, what That's are the challenges? It is. It is. Uh, what are the challenges of when you're bringing all the uh, the grapes and the fruit over um, from Eastern Washington? Traffic. And and then the grapes are sitting there too <laughs> yeah. long. Yeah, because they're know, out in the open air, right? They're out. They're out in the open air. I mean, if the weather's going to be nasty, we'll cover them with tarps as we and you know protect them as much as we can, or even get a box truck. Or a refrigerated truck if we mm. need to. So we've got that little extra step. Yeah, but um, Three, four weeks ago when we had temps in the hundreds. Oh, yeah, that, can you imagine? I, I mean, there was not harvest going no. on then, so we're, we're good. But uh, you're talking anywhere from five to six hours, I would imagine, four and a half to six hours, depending on where they're Maybe. coming from, down to your urban winery. Yes. Depending and on so, traffic and, you know, all those fun things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's um, yeah, as soon as we get them back, we start processing. You know, it's like, okay, we hit the pass, get the crew ready, get the equipment ready to go. Um, and 50 minutes away. Yep, we'll be there. <laughs> be ready when the truck arrives. Um, so it's uh, that where we're located, we're not too far from the stadiums where the Seahawks and Sounders and Mariners play. So, you know, it's it's an added complexity in our harvest schedule to figure out uh, game time and how to work around that. <laughs> Especially since the Mariners are bringing in fans now and they the Seahawks are. are about to start up. By the way, are you a Seahawks fan? You know, I'm not really a sports fan. Whatever. But we won't talk no. about that. <laughs> I wore my blue and lime green shorts in honor of the Seahawks. Nice. Go Hawks. Did you? Hmm. I, there are blue and lime green. Sort of. So we just poured the rose. This is a brand new release, yes? Yeah, we just released it um, a few, few weeks ago. Um, so for the just in time for the summer, um, it's really re- refreshing, and it, you know it's a GSM mm-hmm. blend. Um, we've got one percent Syrah just to make sure we get that GSM blend, but you know <laughs> it's it's still legit. So we have you know forty eight percent or 49.5 percent Grenache, forty nine point five percent Mavadre. Well, we've got thirty four Grenache. You want specifics? Um, and sixty five mm. of them Mavadre. So, and then 1% We got that Syrah. 1% in there. Beautiful. Yes. So it's really um, a GMS. Yeah, kind of. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that I mean, that Syrah just adds a little bit more of that um, meatiness and heaviness yeah. to that rosé. A little bit more depth, yeah. A little bit more depth. And I love the rich color. It um, is. Cheers. 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 You must toast every Cheers. new wine. <laughs> We have a handler here. Um, oh, there you go. He's the uh, descri- self-described driving Miss Daisy. Yeah, I okay. think that's appropriate. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Vic has been very quiet so far, which is which is okay. I think he thinks he's not allowed to talk. You can talk. <laughs> Just <laughs> <satisfied. Exactly. laughs> This this mic picks up everything. <laughs> I heard it in there. How long uh, have you been doing a rosé? Mm. The first one I did, I called um, First Kiss, and it was in 2010. Oh, wow. So it was a cab-based rosé, and we've um, played around with the cab rosé, a Malbec rosé, um, and then the last several years we've stuck with this GSM blend. So like many First Kisses, mm-hmm. there's nothing like it. Right. Would you say that 2010, there just will never be matched? 
you know, with the, with um, all the complexities of uh, the climate and the vineyards, no, it's never going to be matched. Yeah. Everyone's unique. They all have a life of their own and their own personalities. This is really delicious. It is delicious. I'm what are you getting on this? Pancake batter. There, there, is a, there is a fatness to this. It must mm. be the yeast. I don't know. Do you put yeast in this? Um, there, it, it, is, it is um, fermented with, um, with an added yeast. Yes, definitely. Okay. Um, and I, I think, so for me, I'm picking up a lot more of those tropical fruits, too. Mm, um, and yeah. like strawberries, watermelon. Watermelon, good yeah. call. Definitely strawberries. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of white fruit. Mm-hmm. I don't even know like what that means. Peaches. I don't know. I was like, white, white with peaches. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Thank you for saving me. Yeah. I was trying to think white fruit, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I, mm, half yes. the stuff, I don't even know. It's because you hear so many people talk about certain things, so you get in your mind kind mm-hmm. of what you think that profile is. And that's when I said white fruit, that was because of that. Mm-hmm. Well, what's white fruit like? Don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with the rosé, really, I mean, obviously focused on the big, bold reds. Um, The rosé, I didn't want it to be um, paled in comparison. Um, So it does have some extended skin contact um, to depth in the color, bring in some tannins. does have um, some color. And some more complexity to it as well. How long was it on skin? Yeah. It's on skin for 24 hours. Okay. So We've said this before. We were up in Penticton. And we're really surprised. First of all, the quality of the wines were fantastic. And we had a rosé up there, and they said, yeah, this is on the skins for 15 minutes. Mm. (laughs) Hardly at all. Pale. Yeah, and we really lean that way. An Mm. hour, you don't realize just how much. An hour is quite substantial. It gives it some color. Plus, Mm -hmm. you've got the Mavadre, you've got the Grenache, some really pretty deep, and the Syrah is not going to give it a whole yeah, lot. Yeah, and the Syrah doesn't get as much. It's no. the skin contact. It doesn't really make it the right difference. So, so 34% Grenache on this. Yes. You ready for your first trick question? Oh, no. I'm ready. <laughs> Here we Bring go. Bring it on. What compelled you to get into the wine business? Oh, <laughs> drinking too much wine? <laughs> oh, it's similar to why we got into the wine podcast right? business. <laughs> Cut down on your wine budget. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely uh, did not cut down on my wine budget. I spent a lot more than I used to on wine. But um, no, I I um, started learning more and more about wine working for a general contractor. Who's um, the general? You're right. Who's that general contractor? Well, I because because I ran a, well worked at a, a lumberyard in West Seattle for twelve years. Oh wow! And so we have I, I know many generals. A uh, commercial contractor that was based in Napa. It was DPR Construction. Oh, okay. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, and when Napa, I say Napa because that's where I'd go when I went to visit. Okay. Um, but they were based in uh, Redwood City, San Francisco area. Um, so every time I would go down there for a meeting, I'd just, you know, have to extend that long weekend in Napa and Sonoma. For another five days. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, that was not to date myself, but, you know, in the mid-90s and learning about all these big, bold Napa cabs. And, um, but one of the, the I guess, uh, components of it that resonated the most is the owners of the construction company were very into wine. Every one of their offices, offices they opened up around the country had a wine bar. Oh, really? And the wine bar <laughs> was the gathering place. And once a week on Thursdays. That's a novel idea. It was, it was incredible. Everyone came in from the field. You'd gather around the wine bar, share lessons learned, you know, talk about things that have happened over the week. 
Um, and it was really that central community component to, to wine. And that's how it started. So, again, we're going to just try to get Vic in here at any, any point. Um, <laughs> you have really tainted his world now that he's gotten uh, yes. into wine a little bit. Are you asking how I got into wine? <laughs> <laughs> I got into wine because I fell in love with the winemaker. 18 minutes and there he is. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> fell in love with the winemaker. Love it. Uh, and so, Vic, now that you've uh, spoken, tell us what is your first impression of some of Because people that start drinking wines tend to not like reds right away. How are you doing on reds now that we just poured you our next wine? I would say reds were confusing to me because at first I thought they all tasted the same. And there was the complexity of all the wines was just for someone that didn't have a palate of, of any kind, it was overwhelming. And I, I would tell her, oh, I think I taste something right. and, and yeah grapes and um i actually um the more i taste the more i realize there is flavors and she did explain to me that it's not that there is a flavor it's what you smell or taste good for you Jody. and that was that yeah. was a big right. deal because then i just said well i'm just going to go with what's in my mind and what i taste and what i get like pancake batter mm-hmm. yes like yeah, pancake no batter. Judging. i don't so, use that well, I mean, here's the deal. So, Shelly and I poured vintage Spokane until we couldn't because of COVID. But uh, people come up. We have 20, 25 white wines that we pour that are supposed to pair with shellfish and seafood and things like that. And the people that are just on the front end of their wine journey will say, I'll say, what would you like? They'll say, give me your best one. I'm like, okay, let's start down here to the mm-hmm. left. Is that your best one? I'm like, I don't know. You'll have to tell me. <laughs> because it really is. Um, individual and that's what I think the wine industry the um, old school wine nerds probably don't like that yeah because they had an exclusive club but now that people are getting into it and not necessarily ta- like said pancake mix right yeah. or Better, not mix. <laughs> homemade of course. I was getting batter. pancake mix. <laughs> you got the batter, I got the mix. <laughs> but you listen to Gary Vaynerchuk talk about sheep butt. We've talked to that before, yeah. you know. Or Skittles. And, yeah, yeah, right? Or um, uh, a Big League Chew and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are not wine Cherry terms. <laughs> you know, they're not wine terms. So, Cotton candy. candy. Yeah. yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So Yeah, you came up with that one mm-hmm. the other day. Okay, now we're having some fun. No, so we, we had the reception, which was a 2020 Albarino. Mm-hmm. Then we had your new release, 2020 GSM Rosé. Yes. Or Rosé. <laughs> we just poured your Grenache. It's a 2019 Grenache. Uh, 100%? Yes. Look at that. Smell that pepper? I That's smell I some deliciousness, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now we've... Um, We've settled right in. Mm-hmm. Shelly's over there busily writing notes. Right. <laughs> um, let's, um, do we want to just skip the clinking of glasses and just say cheers on each one? Sure. Okay, cheers on this. Cheers. Because we have seven of these to go through. Oh, it should be interesting towards the end, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I love how the tannins are just really integrated into 
the line. It's just so balanced. And this is young. It is young. But the tannins are soft. Very soft. You get that, mm-hmm. Shelly? Yeah. yeah. Uh, these are not sharp at all. Mm-hmm. These are not ripping my tongue apart in, at all. I, oh, I, just wait. They will. <laughs> yeah. They'll, they'll get started with that heat a little bit. It'll start settling in. Mm-hmm. By the way, we are at the Innovation Collective, the mini building. They were nice enough to uh, loan us a conference room for this recording. Thank you so much, Nick Smith, the Innovation Collective. Uh, yeah, this is just fantastic. A uh, little uh, story about the Grenache that we're drinking. So, See, the problem is you're going to tell us the story, and we're going to continue the drinking. Oh, and, you're and I don't get to drink, huh? <laughs> um. We did bring up don't bucket, but I don't think it's going to get used. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the grapes come from Upland Vineyard over in Snipes Mountain. Um, I, I think uh, Grenache is, again, one of those, you know, I like those... Uh, less common grapes and hard to find so it's not grown very much in Washington at all so it's a little hard to uh, secure those uh, vineyard sites but the majority of our vineyard sites we've actually had um, under contract just like renting space in a building or renting space in a vineyard um, since inception um, so the Grenache is a um, one we just brought in a few years ago and loving what it's doing when you uh you basically lease um, a block. Is that how you... acreage by the acreage? Usually. Okay. So yeah. And then it's uh, generally a minimum of five years or something. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how many years did, did you just start with the five just to get an idea, or did you go ahead and commit? Um, so for most of them, it's been on five year with option contracts. The Malbec's the exception. That was one that uh, I've had since the grapes were planted in that site. And um, in perpetuity, it's like forever. It's going to be mine now. In perpetuity. We love that one. So um, uh, coach for the Huskies for many years is Don James. And Mm -hmm. they would, uh, he'd have a five-year contract and they would renew it one year every year. So he always had a Mm five-year contract, which I thought was a really interesting way of doing that. It is. Keep them there. It's like if you see the trend going somewhere, it's like if you're not getting that year, you're like, Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but he was the dog father, so they wanted him. So when you do rent these vineyards, do you send out your own people to harvest? Or do Ooh, they do question. that for you? Good question. Um, we work with a vineyard manager. They really are the ones that contract with all the labor. But then, you know, for um, all of our sites that are hand harvested, um, so we don't use any, you know, the big equipment and machinery. It's all started with love from, you know, planting through... Um, the growing season all the way through into the bottle. How, right. how many employees do you have? Oh, good question. Um, so post-COVID, we're hiring. Anyone want a job? <laughs> Doing um, what? Drinking? Right, right. Oh, after uh, shift. Join, great. Um, join, join the crowd. Yes, join the crowd. <laughs> um, there, there's, there's eight of us right now. Um, so needing to definitely ramp up and get more people. So there's my plug. Call me if you want a job. <laughs> Perfect. So um, I listened to a podcast uh, from the founder of Netflix, and he said one of the things that companies lose sight of as they grow and scale mm-hmm. is uh, lo- they lose the startup mentality. Mm-hmm. So eight of you, it's like, one person will do this one day, and then they're needed somewhere else the next day. It's that mentality of 
put me to work wherever I need to go. And as you scale, as you grow and you build, then you lose that. They're like, well, that's not my job. Oh, no, we haven't lost that. It's all yeah. hands on deck. Everybody does everything. Yeah, that's step fantastic. Step in wherever. Yeah. You know, and I've got this great team. I mean, it's not even... It, the winery wouldn't be possible, obviously, without the village that uh, makes it happen. Um, and we've got people that have been with me for so many years, and we are a family. And it's really what um, makes the winery special, in my opinion. But with a lot of our tasting room staff, I've got friends and people that are retired or just looking for that social outlet. You know, they're like, just I just want to come in one day a month and just, you know. Nice. That's talk wonderful. And, um, and, it, and it's fun. It's, it gives a new um, fresh face in the winery, but yet they still know the guests that are coming in because they're still there on a consistent basis. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a great group. And when were you established? 2006. That's quite a while. Yes. Did you go to school specifically to be a winemaker? Or? Yeah, I was um, working for the general contractor. Things started to slow down, obviously, in the early 2000s. I'm like, hmm, what, what can entertain me? What do I want to do? And I'm like, I love wine. Um, WSU is just offering their first year at their extension. Go Cougs. Oh, I a little wazoo shout out. on my other yeah. life, but I'll, I'll oh, always support dogs, both. But, you know, the difference between Husky fans and Cougar fans, the, the Husky fans have two favorite teams, Washington and Washington State. <laughs> Cougar fans have two favorite teams, Washington State and whoever's playing the Huskies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's how that works. And we're okay with that. Hmm. We know they feel less than. Well, they're, they're, um, it was their certificate program that was in process. It was the first year they were offering it. And um, it, it was really fun to be a part of that development of the program. And so most of the people that were um, attending the classes were either already winemakers or own vineyards, and they were all involved in the, in the industry. And there were just a handful of us that, were, that caught wind of the program. Like, we want to learn about this and figure it out. So um, it was it was amazing. It was amazing. As this, it was most of the classes were taught by Sarah Spade, who had um, it was educated with and um, directly from Walter Clore, the founder of Washington Wine. And mm-hmm. so it was just this amazing history of of Washington Wine and um, connection to the industry. Most of my great contracts are through connections that I made. Um, and through that education. That's fantastic. And you that know, makes sense because it does. They, they have a cheese program and a dairy program. Yes. So if you have cheese, you've got to have the wine program. Of course, right? <laughs> well, so, and I took it as an opportunity to, um, it, as an excuse to travel to Italy and, and volunteer at har- harvest, falling harvest season all the way from the south end all the way up to the north and just uh, popping around from vineyard to vineyard to learn that old school style of winemaking. Um, during harvest season, it was fun. So you talked about you loved wine. Yes. What was, can you recall, the, the first wine you had, A, and B, what was your gateway wine? And it could be the same or it could be different. Because there's a gateway wine. You can like wine. Yes. So as far as we know, Vic likes, likes wine because he likes the owner of uh, Nelson Sellers yeah, a we'll, lot. Okay? We'll see, but it evolves. But at some that. point, at some point, there's this wine that, that speaks to you that goes, oh, my God, this is fantastic. So what was your gateway wine? What was your first first wine? Um, I'll start with my first wine. Um, 
Unrem- uh, Yellow No idea. I have no idea. So that's an easy one to start with. It was probably a wine gathering around the wine bar, or it was a box at a you know fraternity party or yeah. something. But, um, so nothing that left no, an impression. No fraternity parties had keg wines. So <laughs> right. <laughs> There's such a thing as keg wine? No. At Wazoo there is. No other college. Maybe Arizona State. But. Um, I'd, you know, I've been drinking all these amazing, you know, big, bold Napa cabs mm. through my um, employment there. And, um, and, you know, really started to define my palate around those. And then um, I was at uh, an Argentinian restaurant in Seattle. And um, I tried a Malbec from Susana Boboa, uh, and I was like, "What is this?" And what was the winery? It's Susana Boboa, and I probably am not pronouncing it correctly at all. It's a, um, she's a pretty big producer, and it's awesome that it was a woman it, producer it, Walla Walla? as well. No, Argentina. Okay. Oh, Argentina. that's right, right, right. Gotcha. Yep. And um, she makes some incredible wines in lots of big, big scale um, winery as well. But um, yeah, wish we could taste it. a Malbec today. Ah, uh, we did <laughs> bring it. We can taste oh, it. Oh yes, two to go. <laughs> so um, we'll we'll tell the story early. Apparently, but um, yeah, no, I I tasted that wine and I was just like, oh wait, there's a whole other world out here. Yes, and it's really what sparked my interest to learn about all the different varietals and the industry and what it was all about. So well, we could hopscotch and bring the Malbec in, and Maybe then we and should. then and uh, and swap the, the. Let's do it. Let's do that. Um, we'll need to open it. Yes, we will. So uh, my question. Oh, look at that. Mm. Okay, uh, talk to us about Rebecca. Rebecca is amazing. I don't even know. There's not enough things that I can say about her. She is incredible. She is the winery. She is she is the one that um, has taken over the winemaking. Um, and I owe her everything. She's incredible. She has studied wine and, and made wine all over the world and um, has such a rich palate and um, no- depth of knowledge in the wine industry from all the different um, uniquenesses of each uh, part of wine around the world. Um, she's incredible. That's the exclamation point. <laughs> That's what she deserves. There you go. Uh, yeah, she's amazing. I, As for I, you, Rebecca. Yes. She's, she's too quiet. We need to get her um, a little bit more front-facing. That is dark. Oh. It's really dark. I am excited to see this So you have a love affair spice. of Malbec. I really do. It was all obviously hinged off of that one experience. It's like, hmm, what is this? That's why I asked the gateway wine question. Mm. Oh, I'm bleeding on my thigh. And look how deep and rich dark that is. I, I'm noticing that oh, on my thigh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you pour like I do. I love it. <laughs> I I am not a sommelier. It's I do not, not know how to pour mm. and not drip. It's not good on the color carpet we have at home. I'm mm. working on it. Which is a cream. Give me a break. I'm working on it. There's a few spots that still need to be uh, looked at. We're okay with that. It's wine for God's sake. Aren't those stains memories, though? What's that? Aren't those stains on your carpet memories? Yeah. So here's a story that I don't even think Shelly knows. My dad used to, um, when he opened sparklers, he he would open them not like... He would open it where it just, it just shot out was. and it made a mark in the ceiling. My dad did that too. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Thank you, Lloyd and Matt. That's awesome. So uh, he could point at different spots in the ceiling. That I think is okay. 
the, I don't think so. Oh, mm-hmm. no, at, at home when Too you own the house, house, but the carpet. If you're never going to move, I guess. No. Well, they each have a story. Yes, and that's just a little, it's a little mark. Um, we, we have a uh, cork catcher downstairs that uh, when we have people over and we have a nice wine or something like that, they sign the cork and they usually after, let's just say two glasses of wine because <laughs> we don't want to be incriminating, but uh, they'll pitch it. There's an open spot above and, and we've filled this, it's about three and a half feet by three and a half feet or something like that. It's this mm-hmm. big glass thing with all these corks. Uh, Shelly saw that up at Sandpoint and you know, short story is, honey, can you make that? <laughs> I'm like, yes, baby, I can. So I did. And I made one for her son as well. And I need to make one for Brian and Lindsay. You do? Yeah. It doesn't really go with desert scenery, though. It doesn't matter. I just <laughs> it doesn't. put it. I just, They're putting this in their house. That's right. <laughs> um, okay, this is Malbec. Hmm. So I love that earthiness and that pepper and spice. I was going to say this is dirt. dirty. Yeah. Yeah. Love the dirt. I just and Vic love is like drinking dirt. wine. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're educating. Oh, that must have been me. Just me, sorry. Gosh, that is, there is some pepper. There is some spice and dirty dirt dirt. Yeah, uh, that's. Uh, cheers. 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 Yeah, and this, um, all the fruit comes from Horse Evanel's area. And this is the same fruit that I've been working with since it was planted. Um, so obviously a favorite. It's just this really steep slope, um, and those grapes just really struggle to throughout the growing season, and that brings out a lot of that earthiness and that dirt and the spice, and I love it. This is chewy. It is. This, Vic's looking at me like, what the hell? <laughs> it's just liquid. <laughs> this is chewy. So if you ever chewed on a grape seed... That would be that feeling. All of that tannins on the side. And there and there are tannins. And there's it's a little sharper tannins like, than that it's one. It's kinda like mm-hmm. a tiny furish feeling. I noticed that's wine to me, being the rookie of wine. Some I can feel in my whole mouth. Right. And some I don't feel all across my mouth. Yep. And this one is it gets everywhere. Yeah. This smallback it does travel around the mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. This is this is really good. Uh, you will, by by the way, be rookie of the year. In, in, in <laughs> <Winery>. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> That's all we ever ask. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, any stories you want to talk about now? 100 percent Malbec. 100 percent. You know what? You're well, just like enduring. No, oh, uh, there it is. One percent. Yeah. What, Grenache? There's a little bit of Merlot in there. Merlot, okay. So it just, I, I, I've done 100% Malbec, and um, to me, it's just a little overpowering on that spice. and that. Um, so the little bit of Merlot that you, uh, I blend into that really rounds it out um, and brings just a touch of softness to make it a little bit more integrated. But I love the softness of Merlot. Mm-hmm. And what, I was going to go to the sideways turn, but then like, I stopped it no. really. Mm-hmm. Uh, what uh, percentage of Merlot? 12% that's vintage. Okay. So, um, in, in every vintage it's different, and it's really just, um, a lot of it is triggered on the combination of new versus um, neutral oak that we're using, too. I think that is also just to make sure those tannins are really in balance. Tannin um, a little bit, right? 
But um, for the most part, the Malbec is aged on neutral oak so that it can really focus on that dirtiness and not be overpowered by the components of the barrels. Are your neutral oak uh, two years used? Um, a combination. So some of them are, are just one cycle. Some of them are, are a couple cycles. And the wines are aged in, in oak for quite a few years before they go into bottle. So there's minimal extraction that is retained just to make sure the wine can shine. Oh, I like that. Hashtag wine that shines. Oh, I love that. We've already hashtag cheersing. Uh, that's going in. By the way, I just started that on Instagram. Uh, French oak or American oak? French. Okay. Screw American oak. I do use it in some select places where it does need to be there. Um, the so Syrahs choose. The Syrahs really fun with American oak, and it, it's also it's very vineyard specific versus and varietal specific as to what's going to be best paired. Um, and so we've done a lot of trials to figure out really which specific barrels and toasting and forests and everything that complements those grapes best. So when you're tasting through wine, you are the owner. Rebecca's the winemaker. Yeah. Which is hard. I had to relinquish the fun to her, but well, but you know, I mean, do you entirely. not have a say? Okay. Oh no, yeah, we're we're, um, we're finishing up our blends on Monday um, for the two two thousand eighteen vintage, um, and so we're going to bottle those obviously before harvest season. So that's been really fun. Um, you, that's my favorite part. Have you run into any smoke taint on any of your harvests? Um, yes, uh, this last year um, we've got. We had a couple of, of varietals that we did not bring in because of smoke taint, but for the most part, we we harvested before they were affected. So um, the the what's going into bottle and and what we've been tasting, it's it's got um, one one varietal. No, I'm not going to tell anyone which one. Um, <laughs> has a little bit small hint that you can pick up, um, and we're 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 blending that to make it a little bit integrated, and it's it it's can provide an interesting component. Well, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I mean, you can... Oh, you can, it can taste like you've been smoking a cigarette. But my but. point <laughs> is, you can say, this bottle has got a little bit of smoke taint from the 2000... with barbecue. Nine, <laughs> from the 2019 fires of, of Eastern Washington, whatever it is. And that, actually, you can use that as a marketing thing, yeah, right? Well, it reflects, yeah. it reflects the history of what happened that, in exactly. that time frame. That is the terroir. But, it is the terroir. However, um, we want to make no. We want to make we want to make amazing wines, I and mean, we don't have that much production. So, what we do produce and what we do put out there, it has to be amazing. Um, so, what do you do with the smoke tainted grape juice? They oh, sell it to wholesalers. Have, juice. Well, I probably should do that, but no. We, we have a fun party pouring it down the drain. Oh. <laughs> I know it's not hmm. sad. Well, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this episode. <laughs> oh, that is I guess we could just. It. You know, there's other things we could do, but vinegar, mm-hmm. vinegar. We this thought is about, about the time Shelly talks about pouring Opus One down the gutter. Ooh. So yeah, yeah, that was not good. That would be a sad day. Well, she, she did sweet. explain to me that it at one point it tastes like a wet cigarette butt in the dirty ashtray. Yes, uh, anything yeah, wanna, wet, no, anything yeah. wet done in wine is not good. Mm-hmm. That that's like the one of the big indicators of a of a corked wine is that mm-hmm. wet, damp. And I can't think of a of time that's okay. Even the cigarette and ashtray, no. But Mm-mm. cigar, yes. Cigarette, no. That's just yeah. me, right? <laughs> so, no, it was, remember, I took a fumé blanc in a glass 
into the cigar room at the Innovation Collective, mm-hmm. came out, and it oh, tasted no. like <laughs> blanc. Not they have a some, great cigar lounge. Blanc. Yeah. yeah. It definitely it, was in there. It got in there quickly. Yeah, it's amazing how much wine really does absorb what's around it. Yeah. It's a big sponge. Uh, it is. It's, and, and, you know, that's part of the life of the wine and that evolution, too. So, Would you say that you and Rebecca share similar pro- wine profiles? Yeah, philosophies. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, that, definitely. I mean, that it kind of has to be that way, right? Yeah. And, um, and she's also got the, um, more of a technical background from her experience that she's had. And she um, has an undergraduate degree in chemistry, so she's amazing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I struggled through chemistry, so I'm like, oh, thank <laughs> Me <goodness>. too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, when that is I, not my best class. No, when I when I first decided I wanted to learn more about wine, I was you know one of the prerequisites was that you had all these different chemistry classes and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh, how much chemistry is there in wine? Like, oh, <laughs> that was eye opening. <laughs> I love asking winemakers what's more important uh, the 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 what enologist. Thank you, enologist. Mm-hmm. Um, the enologist or the wine the, the you know before the harvest or after the harvest the the person that's making the wine after the harvest will definitely or the winemaker. Yeah, the, the other ones is like definitely it's all in the vineyard. It I'm is. sure there's a there's a combination that's that's pretty critical. I, I think in and one of the philosophies uh oh I already had too much. Now that um, Rebecca and I share is uh, is really that hands off. It's like let the vineyard do what it's meant to do. Let the right. wine evolve and, and become what it's meant to be. And we just need to nurture it along and make sure that it doesn't have any you know, it will infer it along the way, and it's going to be amazing. Um, have you have your vineyards been exposed to phylloxera this year? And not not that not I heard yet. of yet. Let's uh, yeah, no, everything everything is actually going along great so Fantastic. far. No smoke, no you know. Come on, yeah, We're, double knock. Yes, yes, right. yes, definitely. So um, no, thank goodness. Yeah, I. So we. Were, so are you keeping your vineyards closed? Um, they're not, you know, they're, they're, um, there's a lot, there's a lot of different share wineries that share the same vineyards. So right. there's only so much you can do. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the one downside of not having a state wine, yes, right? Okay. Yes, yes. But the upside is you don't have the, the upkeep and the cost and the overhead and all that of having a state well, wine. Well, you pay for it anyway, right? But, yeah, but you don't probably pay as <laughs> much front. as you would. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But also the estate wines, if they are going to get phylloxera, if it's, it's going It's everything and it's gone. Yeah. yeah. We were in Clearwater Canyon talking with the Yumakers, and they said, we wanted to go in their vineyards to get a Wine Time Friday shot. Yeah. And like, no. can't let you in. Yeah, and you know things and are good still, for them. Yeah, good, good for them. them. Right. And yeah. things are still pretty shut down. I mean, if you're, you you need to intentionally be there. You're you're checking in with the vineyard manager. They're keeping control over who's accessing the site, and it's it's tight. Um, but but there's a lot of, of winemakers that want to know what's going on with their grapes. We got to you know watch those babies grow. Mm-hmm. So we are going to take a break, and then when we come back, we are going to actually taste through the Seattle Made Red. And uh, Isabella and Logan, we've actually tasted through three wines already, You're not counting good. the Albarino. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to leave you with this. I saw this on the Elsom Sellers Instagram page about a week and a half ago. Every box of raisins is a tragic tale of grapes that could have been. Right. <laughs> we'll see you on the other side. Wine is meant to be social, enjoyed with friends and family when experiences truly matter. 
Add the perfect food pairing and the experience transports and transcends. The Culinary Stone is the meeting place for all of this. With their world-class wine selection, wine classes, and food classes all amongst your new best friends in the center of a retail space that boasts a bevy of culinary tools, it is a place where relationships and memories are made. And now the Culinary Stone has their very own wine club, affectionately known as the Noble Rottens. A nod, of course, to the Noble Rot. Each month, club members are treated to wines you will be proud to serve your guests. Or don't share and keep them all to yourself. Our wine club, wine classes, and retail wine selections are brought to you by the Culinary Stone Certified Sommelier, Trevor Treller. Wine classes are every Sunday at 2 p.m. and fill up fast. For more information on how you can experience wine like this or book your spot in one of our wine classes, visit culinarystone.com or simply call 208-277-4116. Welcome back. We are just having a lot of fun here uh, with Jody Elsom of Elsom Cellars, a urban winery in Seattle, Washington. Brings all of her fruit over from Eastern Washington and then does all the winemaking in Seattle. It's very cool. Uh, <clears throat> Jody, I have to ask you a question. Oh, no, we need to, we need to toast this and then we'll talk about this, but I have Pardon? to ask a question. Yeah. Hello. Okay. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Where's the bottle? The bottle. Unbelievable. You know, it's such mm. a, this is a party foul, Vic. <laughs> it's okay. I broke a cord. Oh, you're true. No, that's two party fouls. <laughs> they don't cancel out. No, no, two negatives make a positive in a lot of areas, but not wine. Okay, the nose on this is phenomenal. But I wanted to ask you because I talked to a guy named DC who is the sommelier at the Metropolitan Grill mm -hmm. in Seattle, mm -hmm. which you probably know. Mm -hmm. DC is no longer with us. Okay? Mm -hmm. I heard. Yeah. So I asked DC once, what is what is the right way of drinking wine and eating food? Do you take a sip of wine and take a bite of food, or do you take a bite of food and then a sip of wine? I will tell you what he said. But I want to know what your answer is. Um, I say you have to both. Boom. <laughs> His answer was yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, both of them are going to influence each other. And it's fun to see how one will overpower or integrate or balance and, um, and change with the other. So you got to try it both ways. You know, it's interesting. When we have wine with, by the way, cheers. 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 And to your giggles. Um, hashtag cheersing. When we have wine with dinner, which is seven days a week. Um, <clears throat> no, it's not seven. It's less now. Oh, it, no. That's it's tragic. really, it's, we're trying to do better Monday through Thursday of not having wine. And we're failing in the summer. Because, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> well, wine time on the deck is just, I'm sorry. We get three and a half months and we want to have fun out there and get out there and enjoy, you know, at least two hours outside. But when, when I'm eating dinner and having wine, what ends up happening is I go through a lot of wine. Yeah. Because I will sip, then take a bite and then sip. Mm -hmm. And it is really interesting how 
the wine can play with and gel with the food. Yes. So you are a big fan of both. I am. And I'm also a big fan of not second-guessing chefs and their pairings. I learned my lesson very early on in my career. Um, I did a, a wine dinner with a, a amazing chef, um, Tom Black. And he had made this... I know that name. Do you? Yeah, he's, he's great. I love him. He's just an amazing man. Um, and he had come in to do a, a dinner at the winery. And he paired my Malbec with this um, creamy parsnip soup. I was like, really? Have you tasted my wine? Why are you pairing it with that? Because <laughs> like, I've always thought like the Malbec would be this, like pair it with this big, you know, barbecue or this meatiness. And, right. You know, something, um, the, the richness of that soup, when you paired it with the spiciness of the Malbec, it was just this harmony that was unbelievable. Isn't that great? It was, I mean, that's was, really one of life's great treasures is pairing good wine with good food. And, mm-hmm. and, and the food is fantastic. <laughs> and, and Someone else agrees. <laughs> I mean, whistle while you work. The food is fantastic. The wine is fantastic. But put them together, and it elevates to a level you never thought would would be there. Really, yes. it's unbelievable. Um, I, I had that experience at Chateau Saint Michel about eleven years ago, and we had a tasting there. I tasted the Syrah. This is at ten in the morning. Tasted the Syrah, mm-hmm. and it's like. Man, that has got tannins. It's ripping you apart. And then we had some food with it, and there was not, I mean, it was just, it disappeared. It was, it blended so well. And so that's the fun thing about that, right? Mm -hmm. Even what you were talking about, that Malbec, the food that you thought there's no way, (laughs) right? Yeah. I'm looking at the menu going, really? Try the wine first, please. <laughs> you know, and I have in our notes, actually, we, I just put this in on this, and we'll get this going forward, but on the wines, mention the food pairings, like, you know, with the Albarino, the Rosé, the uh, the Malbec Grenache, all of these. We'd love to know what your recommended, recommended food pairings are. <laughs> Easy for me to say. Oh, for each one of them, we've got on our website what those recommended pairings are. And That's um, can I segue and, and highlight the grape basket here then? Because that might be a Perfect. good component. Yes. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the grape basket. So one of my other little side projects, um, you know, obviously as, as COVID hit, a lot of us, uh, a lot, the whole entire industry is hit with, you know, how do we connect with our customers? But especially and, the smaller wineries, right? Especially the smaller wineries, because we don't have that big distribution model nope. in place. We are not well known, so it's not like we're going to pop up easily on a Google search. Um, so um, really struggled with, okay, how, how do we create this, this tasting room experience virtually? Um, so I'm working with a couple other partners and trying to figure out, which we have figured out and we're really excited about, um, an online platform and app and, and um, website where you can connect with these small wineries and have that virtual tasting experience and learn about those wines, connect with the winemakers and video in like a FaceTime atmosphere, and then also buy those wines. Um, but a fun component of that is we're bringing in a lot of psalms and chefs that can also talk about the food pairings because it's not just about the wine, it's about the whole experience. Right. And, and, and really bringing that food and wine component together is essential. So it's, it's fun to have that collaboration. We're excited for that to go live, and we're shooting for um, before the holidays. So uh, Which holiday? Because I'm thinking that yeah. um, you know Labor Day would be a good one to shoot That would for. be a good one. You know, I was trying to be vague with the holidays because there's always another holiday. Um, but edit, edit, edit. 
Um, ideally prior to um, Christmas. So, you know, when you want to go shopping for that special bottle that is unique that no one's heard of and is absolutely amazing, made with passion um, from these artists and winemakers, you'll be able to go to the site and find those. And we, we will be on the Great Basket as well. And it's going to be a very, very fun and unique way when you're going through anywhere where there may be wineries and you can pull that up and actually see a video of the winemaker talking a little bit about their wines. Yep. And either you make the stop or just order the wine. Yep. It's a beautiful thing and I'm just so excited to be a part of that. It's very kind of like a social media platform for wine lovers. It is. Yeah. And we're so excited to have you guys involved too. Yeah, I keep I keep uh, mentioning, not to mention the, not the other sites, but it's like a Etsy for small wineries. Yeah. And um and but with that we're adding in that Instagram TikTok component and really heavy video. It's like really get to know your winemaker and get to know the passion behind um, these artisans that are producing both the food and the wine. Isn't it interesting? Uh, winemakers, when you go to a tasting room, if you can get the winemaker out, they you can't shut them up. Oh no, okay, but, you but, cannot but, shut them up. But good luck getting them out because we really like to hide. Well, but but <laughs> once you do, but once you do. Yet get them the in front of the camera. Freeze. Yeah, it's I'm like, ready to I freeze. don't know what to say about my wine. It's yeah. like, pre- pretend the camera's not on. Google glasses. Google. <laughs> <laughs> Vic talks so seldom, but when he does, he packs a punch. I love that. Uh, so we are having right now Seattle Made Red. Hot. Mm. Hot. Hot. This is this is uh, high alcohol hot or yeah, hot. My yeah. nose smells hot. We haven't even talked about the alcohol. No, we have not. Yeah, I you know I really strive to try to keep them down as low as possible. Washington wines is tough to do. It is really tough to do. Um, so this is actually a 2010 wine. Um, really? so I have no idea is. on that because it's not on your website. No, I'm. Um, you know, I um, had wanted my 2010 wine to be. Um, have a very special label, and um, and so I had held it back, trying to define what the special label would be, and um, I struggled with with that obviously for a long time. And then um, Seattle Made came to us and, and wanted to do a collaboration, and I was enthusiastic about this is the perfect, this is what this this wine has been sitting here waiting for. Um, and so they are an amazing organization that really focuses on helping to support and promote these artisans that actually produce within the Seattle city limits. Nice. Uh, and so it, a proceeds of the sales obviously go to support them. And we have met so many amazing people that are just um, actually producing within the city and passionate about what they do and love what they do. And it's fun to share those 600, experiences. 600 urban producers? Yes. Yes. Nice. Mm-hmm. You know, collaboration on anything, and not to, again, bring the Innovation Collective in, but I tell people about the Innovation Collective. It is a collaborative community. That's what we love about the Innovation Collective. And that's uh, Seattle Made. It sounds like a very collaborative, you know, it's... So the int- 600 urban producers, are they all wine? Or? No, no, no. Okay. They're, they're all across the board. They're everything from uh, textiles to couches to... Um, mm-hmm. We had, we just... Um, 
Well, and food, you know. Um, they have to be made in Seattle. They have to be okay. made in Seattle. And we just officially had our launch party because we weren't allowed to with COVID um, just a few weeks ago. And, and there was this amazing glass artist that came and she had produced some, some um, wine glasses specific for the event mm-hmm. that she had hand blown. And she was trained in Murano and she, you know, these pieces were gorgeous. Um, and so she was one of the producers that um, they were featuring as well. So it was it's amazing to see what's actually being made in the city. Um, and it's actually even more amazing to meet these small business owners. And And I think this is a great tribute to really supporting these small business owners that obviously have struggled. You know, Amazon and, and mm-hmm. all these big corporations have really taken off over the last year. And um, It's amazing what resources will, will right? do. Right? Yeah. And, you know, all these small business owners, we're still struggling to, to you know, make our mark in the world. And, and I think that's where a lot of the passion comes into play and you get a great product as a result and they're the heart of the community right and the heart of america really really i I really you're exactly right about that when you when you talk about being forced to shut down and non-essential well (laughs) you know we could talk about (laughs) some of the marijuana shops and the uh (laughs) those uh shops the cannabis shops that are deemed essential but wine wineries are not i'd have a real problem with that uh on sunday pets in the park uh is a seattle made event coming up and next thursday on august 5th fremont brewing and seattle made beer celebration yes so that's a a visit seattlemade.org to um find out more about that and i think that's freaking awesome that you guys are doing that yeah well and the wine is you know it's obviously one of our library wines that we've decided to feature for this uh, collaboration Um, and so as it opens up you really get a lot of that um, you know ripe cherries strawberries um, but then a little a lot of that earth and that clay that really comes from the soils and on this we've partnered with um, some of our favorite vineyards too um to, to make this happen. So when did um, you blend this? We put it into bottle. It, it was in it was in barrel for five years. Mm. Um, and oh. so it, it it really then allowed it to integrate a lot of those um, the tannins and the flavors and I'm looking at my glass and I'm seeing the auburn on the edges. Yeah. Uh, that's eleven years right there. Yeah. I don't think we said what grapes are in here. No. Nope. Oh I didn't I think did we I? said no. off off Camera. Uh, okay. microphone. You know, well, then I'll, I'll, I'll share. Um, so it's equal Cab and Merlot. Um, the Cab comes from Arts Vineyard, which I have so many stories about Arts Vineyard. It's one of my favorites on Red Mountain. Is um, Art a good guy? He, he passed away a few years ago. Oh, that's sad. It was. It's very sad. Why even bring that up? I'm sorry. You did um, it. Yeah, okay. I, I, but I, I have amazing Vic's stories. Fault. <laughs> it's always fault. Um, <laughs> Vic, big shoulders. I, I know the feeling. <laughs> big shoulders. I carry it all. <laughs> I do too. We'll share. Oh, so many, but he was such an amazing man. It was so fun to um, work with his grapes and work with him. Um, he, um, I tr- attribute my son Logan to um, being able to actually secure grapes from him, and we'll get to that later. Um, but the, the Merlot comes from Toulon's Vineyard um, over in Yakima Valley, and then it does have a little bit of Petit Verdot in it as well, and so that really brings out that spiciness. Um, and, and there's actually 16% Petit Verdot, so it's pretty heavy. Wow, that. Yes. nice. So I, I love that uh, really... How many varietals do you play with? 
Um, oh, it, you know, for the most part, we stick to the um, Malbec, Cab, Merlot, Syrah, Grenache. Um, and Grenache in the Mauvais. Um, bring in a little bit of the Petit Bordeaux, mm-hmm. Cab Franc, and, oh. and so you'll see those pop up every now and then. And it's, um, and it's really, if there's a vineyard that I love that they've got some fruit available, I'll be like, okay, we'll grab that and see what happens. I try. <laughs> I try to read what they're saying and then put the exclamation point on it. You do pretty well at that. I do really well at that. I definitely tasted the sour cherry in that mm-hmm. This particular may be my favorite so far tonight. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. not to disregard the others, but this one, that one was the... <clears throat> Sorry. Well, and I just Such love, a great sound. I absolutely love older wines, and um, and so that's, you know, also why this one has such a strong place in my heart, but, um, you know, as wines age, and, and that complexity, I think, really evolves and comes out, and it's, you, instead of that fresh fruit, you really get all these different uh, flavors that, um, on your palate, and the aromas, and it's just, it, it's nice. I was very tempted when you talked about Logan to go away from what we had talked about <laughs> and open the Logan before I open the Isabella, which is mm. not spelled with an extra A. <laughs> but I didn't. I stuck with uh, what we had planned, and I just poured your 2016 Isabella. Mm. Now, Isabella, not only is the name of our dog, <laughs> Izzy, little white dog. She's so cute. She is. Uh, it's also the name of your daughter. It is. Yeah. Yes. What do I say? She's almost 16. I don't oh, know what to say. <laughs> no. Oh, life is hell for you. Oh, <laughs> you know, I, I used to say that, um, so I've been producing the Isabella and Logan um, wines since inception, essentially. And I used to say that these wines really reflect their personality. And then I started to joke and say, okay, do not buy the 2020 wine because <laughs> these teenage years are rough. <laughs> um, luckily, we're in 2016. We're still good. Um, <laughs> she was still so cute then. She's still so cute. Um, no, she's amazing. I absolutely love and adore my children. They're amazing. But, um, yeah, no, they, they really do represent their personalities. It, it's, it's pretty incredible. And um, this I have always tagged as my fireside wine. And it really, you know, it's that sit in front of the fire, have a good book, curl up, and just really sip at this beautiful integrated wine. You're killing me right now. That sounds so good. Mm, it's pretty nice and sunny out today, so we'll save it for winter for that. But yeah, um, yeah it's um, this wine, it's um, Equal Cab and Cab Franc. So this is where that Cab Franc comes into play um, with just uh, about 25% Merlot to just really make it this wonderful, well-balanced. Cheers. 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 <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> that was like a little, really a pathetic. I, was I know you were. You're, she's writing down notes. Uh, so I, I have to taste this. I've been looking forward to to these. Mm. We have a Logan downstairs. We have a one of your uh, Mavedras downstairs that is not even available because it's strictly for wine club. Yes. Talk a little bit about corks on the loose. 
Yeah, well, well, I taste Isabella. Isabella Ooh. named the wine club. <laughs> um, Perfect. So, yes, right? So, you know, I keep trying to be creative, obviously, with the name of the winery. It's my last name. And I, I tried so many different avenues to come up with some creative name for the winery. Um, and in the end, I resolved to, you know what, I'm going to be proud enough of what we produce to put my name on the bottle. And um, we're sitting around trying to come up with our next creativity and naming the wine club. And um, Isabella was obviously very young at the time. um, And she's sitting there at the end of the table and she's tossing all the corks because obviously you have to have wine to be creative. So um, she's over there and she's tossing all the empty corks up in the air and she's like, corks on the loose, corks on the loose. Oh my God. So do you realize, and I'm, I know you're not a sports fan, we are going to get into a little bit of sports, right, at oh, some no. point, but <laughs> we'll way back, Vic, Vic, sports guy, okay, so tell me if I'm wrong on this, do you know how the Super Bowl was named? No. So the uh, owner of the Chiefs, Hunt, mm-hmm. we'll call him Mr. Hunt, <laughs> because I can't remember his first name. Uh, was a part of the old school NFL, and they wanted to have this huge championship game between, at the time, the AFL and the NFL. Yeah. Now it's the AFC and the NFC. You guys don't know that. You I'm know like, that. Mm, tune in out. I get to take a break. <laughs> they, 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 merged <laughs> they merged them and made two conferences. That's right. And uh, at the time, the NFL, or the NFC now, was the big predominant, the AFL, the AFC now, was nothing. And the Jets ruined that with Joe Namath's proclamation on we will win, and they did. But they created And then some, he wore pantyhose. Well, that's a different, that's a different uh, name that we want to talk about. Uh, they had no name for their championship game. It was like no name. And Mr. Hunt's daughter, or granddaughter, was throwing a Super Bowl around. And she's like, you don't throw it around; it just it just goes crazy, right? And and he said, Super Bowl, huh? How about how about we name it Super Bowl? Wow! And that's how the Super. I've heard that story. Yeah. yeah. So uh, these names, uh, it's amazing. You say wine creates creativity, blah blah blah, and sometimes it doesn't work. And yet, it takes a at the time what a ten year old? Yeah, probably Mm -hmm. right. Throwing corks and saying, corks on the loose. (laughs) And you're like, yes, Billy Joel wrote a song called uh, Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. I love that song. Okay? That's beautiful. And he is having trouble writing a song. So as many authors or writers will do, they'll go and they'll put themselves in a place where they can bring it all in. And he he goes, he says... I go to this Italian restaurant, you know, white and red checkered tablecloth. Mm-hmm. And I pull up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be creative. And, mm-hmm. and he's got nothing. And the waitress comes up and says, hello, sir, bottle of red or bottle of white? And he's like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it takes. Mm-hmm. It, it's amazing. We can try and try and try and, but then when it's just unveiled, it's the best of the best. Yeah. So yeah. Corks on the Loose is your wine club. Yes. And we have a bottle, an exclusive bottle that you created and made for your wine club is the Mavedra, which I didn't know until about a week ago. And now we're not going to open it for a while <laughs> because it's super special. It is super special. Yeah. It's an amazing wine. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to save, save the commentary. You're going to have to enjoy it and, and share what you think. But it, it is an amazing wine. And every year... Um, 
we re- we really want the wine club to be special. I mean, it's the it's the extended family. It is. Um, so we like to do um, events that are specific for wine club members and a lot of things that special treats for thank you for their support. And um, how many wine club members do you have? Um, we've got about two hundred. Good for you. Um, we've got a um, a limited amount that we let into our highest level club because um, you we make, want, a, limited we make amount. a limited yeah. amount of wine. <laughs> And um, and every year we want to make sure we're making something special just for them. Do you always do a Moved for them? Or it, it changes different? based on what really is, um, which barrel is my favorite and, uh-huh. and which one's really standing out. And it's like, okay, this one, we're going to make something special at a wine club. Boom. You're looking at me. <laughs> You're way I, over an hour. <laughs> <laughs> we just keep talking. An hour and 11, but there's a lot to edit out. I've spoken way too many times. <laughs> we're not editing that out. Uh, and I was gonna say that um, Crooks on the Loose reminds me of Fox on the Run. Oh, little um, uh, sweet. Yeah. That's the yeah, the wings. Mm. But Fox on the Run is sweet. Mm. That's the name of the band. S U I T. S W E E T. And Band on the Run. Band on the Run. Three different songs in one song, right? So for those of you that don't know, I was walking twenty miles. The March of Dimes Walkathon went down and the run kept playing over and over. I thought you were going to say, I walk those and miles. <laughs> and that will get edited out. I hate that song. <laughs> but uh, yes, um, Band on the Run, a little bit of Paul McCartney there. Yeah. Uh, so Vic is also a music guy, which is good. Mm-hmm. Vic would like the greatest song you never heard podcast, yeah. not to uh, promote that podcast, but. Uh, we need listeners. So, uh, <laughs> this is fantastic. The Isabella this is... This is my favorite. Isn't it yeah, nice? I, yeah. I really had high hopes for both of these last two. Partially because I love it that they're named after your kids. You know, I'm a little partial. Everyone's like, what's your favorite wine? I'm like, they're all my babies. But these one in particular, you know, I cannot uh, tell you that. <laughs> this is really good. The legs on this is fantastic, too. Yeah. Look at that. You know about the legs, Vic? No, but I would call it sweet. And it and I smell brown sugar. Brown sugar. Ooh, molasses is in. You know that's one of our descriptors. So nice, nice. job. You're learning. This is great. You might. He may be a keeper. I think he might be. <laughs> Shelly just toasted that. So perfect. <laughs> you know we brought all this cheese and crackers and we haven't had. I know. We're just fizzy drinking. Well, so we, this is the bell. What's the alcohol content? Oh, oh you that. know what? You're 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 extending my memory. We're gonna have to check the bottle for that. Oh, and, and I don't do think that. my eyesight will even be able to share that. Okay, the alcohol. Well, we'll do this right. Mm-hmm. So the Isabel is a thirty-seven-five Cabernet Sauvignon, thirty-seven-five Cap Franc, and twenty-five Merlot. I I think, Jody, you already said that. Yes, and I was right. Good. Yes. And we're at 15.1. Yeah. It's hot. But it doesn't taste hot. No, it doesn't. No, it really doesn't at all. It doesn't taste 15. No, It does not taste 15.1. You know, I wish we could lie on the label, but we can't. But no, it, it, I mean, it doesn't taste hot at all. It's um, it's really integrated. You have to be between... Um, like a quarter percent or something like that? Yeah, it's, I, I don't remember exactly. It's like one plus, plus or minus one percent, I think is what it is. It's pretty yeah. minimal. I have another Met story. When um, I, I ran a valet company that the Metropolitan Grill was one of our restaurants, 
And at the end of the night, they knew I liked wine. And uh, they, I went through, and they were all having a, a glass of wine. They were, Phil, try this. It was a Chardonnay. And uh, so I tasted it, and, he, and one of them said, DC was there. One of them said, so what are you getting? And I'm like, I'm getting alcohol. Well, <laughs> duh, it's wine. But I got alcohol. Mostly alcohol. I got mm. alcohol on that. You shouldn't it, really get mostly no, alcohol. No, no not in a shark, right? Mm-hmm. So it was probably a lot to do with your uh, when you started with a Chardonnay and had yeah. a bad <laughs> experience. We'll talk um, about that again. <laughs> no, which is, you know, it is what it is. It happens. So it does happen. Okay, this is fantastic. There's no way. By the way, I've not thrown any of my wine away, just so you don't know that. Yeah, that's kind of sad. <laughs> it's not sad Are at all. Are you walking home? Nope. <laughs> You're walking home. I'm driving home. <laughs> uh, let's, before we get to the final wine, Shelly, we are on episode 67 tonight. <laughs> As much as it pains me. Why would it pain you? It doesn't. Actually, actually, Jody would appreciate the story <laughs> when we talked with this particular person. Mm-hmm. The last time we saw him was in Pullman. It was. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about episode 67 and who that jersey number might be? Might be Ryan Khalil. Ryan Khalil finally makes the episode. <laughs> Ryan, congratulations. The center for USC. Uh, he was a center for USC of Pete Carroll years, yep. Yeah. And went on to play with the Panthers. Car- Carolina, yeah. Center again. His brother plays football. With Cam. Yeah, Matt plays as well. And so he went to school with my daughter. Actually, he didn't go to the same school because she was in an all-girls Catholic high school. He went to Servite. And he was in the all-boys counterpart Catholic high school. He went with Jonathan. John Boy. John Boy. There's a John Boy shout-out. I'm going to give you a short part. Yes, Ryan Khalil, number 67. And we are on episode 67. There are two other players that may have had a little bit more notoriety than Ryan Khalil. I don't know. We have got somebody named Bob Kuchenberg. Vic, you know Bob Kuchenberg. Yeah, me and Bob, we go way back. <laughs> With the Broncos, right? Uh, although it says a pillar of the Miami Dolphins, where is the Broncos? I thought he played with the Broncos. Nope, Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I know nothing. What and years? Then, what? What years? Uh, in the well, he was with the infamous seventeen and zero Dolphins with Zonka. Uh, yep, Zonka and the way for Zonka, Larry Zonka. Uh, uh, who is the other running back? Um, the quick little guy. I can't remember. <laughs> the quick little guy. I can't remember. It's not Reggie Bush. That's no. too early. No, it definitely wasn't. Why do you bring up USC people all the time? <laughs> and there's also Reggie McKenzie. Who was with Buffalo and uh, Oakland, and he's part of the Players Association, all of that. But Ryan Khalil, number 67, because we know Ryan, and when we get to 75, we'll call out Matt Khalil, mm-hmm. even though we've never met him. Uh, we, are, we have Logan in our glass right now. Yes, just that dirty little boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, just a pull behind the curtain. When I was texting with Jody about this, I said, and this sounds weird. I can't wait to taste, taste Isabel and Logan. It just sounds wrong. But I think you should edit that right out. <laughs> yeah, that's trouble. 
<laughs> yeah. Wait, that's <laughs> or we put it on the front. So, did you know someone's going to section that out right. and use that against you? Oh, yes. Twitter. I'll get called mm. off of Twitter. Yeah, there you go. I get Blackberry in this right away. Oh, yeah. On the nose? Yeah, I haven't tasted it yet, so it has to be on the nose. Yeah. Dark cherry? No, I get Blackberry. Blackberry is Something heavy. Something very heavy. So what I noticed about this is the difference between the Isabella and uh, Isabella and Logan. They're they're the same grapes. Um, so this particular vintage is Malbec, Merlot, and Syrah for Logan. Okay. Um, Logan's usually very Malbec heavy, um, and I love that um, earthiness and spice that you get um, from both that and the Syrah has that meatiness that c- comes into play. Um, but we this particular vintage has about thirty two percent Merlot okay. added into it. Um, yeah, so it's it's fun to see the difference between the two wines because they really do. I mean, Isabel's it's just very it's your relaxed wine, Logan. It's just it's like give me a big steak mm-hmm. yeah. and let me go play in the dirt. <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah, it's just a really big fun wine. It's chewy. This one's chewy. It is chewy. This one, so the Isabella. I think it's more fruit forward. Yeah. Too. Yes, I agree. I think the Isabella is ready to drink now. Yeah. This one needs to age a bit. A little bit. Yeah. Because in my opinion, yeah. I've been sitting over here swirling, and as it opens up, you know, I'm just getting like some of this plum and vanilla. And, Ooh, plum. Good job. Yeah, a little bit of lavender, and um, uh, yeah, as it opens up, it just really shows you what it's going to become. A little BF Goodrich. <laughs> you know, or or actually, I'm getting Goodyear in this. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're not mentioning Firestone, which is yes. also a tire maker and a winery. <laughs> we which we used is. to get a lot of Firestone. We haven't had Firestone forever. No. Let's talk to them. I, I feel like we're, we're going and, out on Jody right Firestone now. Firestone, yeah. we went on the Bachelor, Oh, no. Mm. No, I don't. No, I will edit out The Bachelor. <laughs> That's just me. <clears throat> they had a really good Riesling, didn't they? Isn't that what you used uh, to get? Firestone Riesling? Or Sauvignon Blanc? I think it was Sauvignon Blanc. Mm. Yeah. I think it's Riesling. Yeah. But they're in the Santa Barbara area. Hmm. Very interesting. Anyway. Joni, what is the one wine question you get asked over and over? Probably, why did you start the winery? Oh, I, I opened with that. Yeah. They, everyone wants to know, like, why, why were you so crazy to do this, right? <laughs> You wanted to turn a lot of money into a little money. Exactly. And I've done a really good job at that. I've it, definitely done a good job at that. At some <laughs> Not that point, I had a lot of money, but... <laughs> no, but at some point, there's a tipping point. If you do it right, all of a sudden, it expands and blossoms and scales and expands and all of that. Yes, I keep crossing my fingers for that day. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, no it, it, it's, it's, it's definitely been a fun roller coaster ride. Um, and I, I love what it's done to bring people together. And um, I love being a part of the industry. It's really a fun, fun industry, and I've learned so much. You said that you had a, a, a rough start into making white wine, but do you enjoy white wine? Um, I've always preferred a cocktail. Oh, oh, oh. 
it took four glasses and five <laughs> glasses of wine for her to completely abandon her industry. I know, right? Only the, <laughs> only the white part. I'm sure she wouldn't. Well, you said a cocktail over white. Over white, but only red white. over a cocktail. Definitely red over cocktail. Okay. You know, so, but but some some days it's just an agroni day, and you just you know you have to accept that. Do you realize Wednesday is actually White Wine Day? Ah, Wednesday? August 4th. Oh, Wine mm. Wednesday. White Wine Day Wednesday. is August 4th. I mm. We have to say that. We do have to say because, that. Because, so, uh, Trevor Treller at the Culinary Stone hates these days. Hates the holidays. <laughs> I'm like, Trevor, we're talking about wine days. Mm. You should be loving them, and it's a way of promoting different wines, mm-hmm. like Albarino. Who would have known, right? Yeah. Five whole days. Do you realize on Sunday also starts the entire month of Rosé Month? You know, it's a good thing to celebrate. And you've got an entire new release of GSM Rosé that will go perfectly with Rosé Month. Oh, definitely. Rosé all month. Well, you know, and, and you know, we, we need to celebrate White Wine Day, too. You know, I've surprised myself that I've actually uh, grabbed this bottle of Albarino more often than the cocktail recently. So it tastes fabulous. It is really good. It's crisp. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. It's refreshing. Mm-hmm. It's perfect for these summer days. Yeah. And we're in the dog days of summer right now. It's time. Yeah, it is time. <laughs> Although, Shelly and I will say, there's nothing wrong with an Albarino in December. Oh, no. Nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, oh, cheersing. Cheersing. Oh, yes. Hashtag Cheers. cheersing. <laughs> this one's got great legs, too. Mm. Love that. You can tell Logan he's got great legs. He does have great legs. You know, it's, it's definitely competition between those two in terms of, you know, whose piles are, are higher on the, the, <laughs> <on> the palate <laughs> and as, as the wine's being bottled and who gets the most awards. So what's the age difference between the two? Um, Isabella will be 16 here in a few weeks. Um, and um, I, there's good and bad, right? <laughs> She can do errands. Yes, you might want to edit that. This is being recorded. (laughs) (laughs) Just let you know. Amazing. She's amazing. On the other hand, (laughs) hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Just so you know. He catches on. I'm looking out for you. (laughs) On the other hand, it's not likely she's going to listen to this podcast. No, probably not. Actually, so she surprises me. We're okay. <laughs> she surprises me. Um, Logan, Logan's 14. Okay. So, yeah. He's, so she's driving him around. She's looking forward to driving him. He's looking forward to being driven around I'll by her. he is. All of a sudden, they're best buds. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I am honestly looking forward to not driving back and forth to soccer practice all the time. So, How far do you live away from uh, Soda District? Um, it's, it, it, you know, now that they've got that tunnel opened up, it's oh, super sweet and easy. It's like, what was the name of minutes. the, uh, the borer? Oh, I don't know. Big Bertha. Big Bertha. That's yeah. right. And yep. Big Bertha has been put to rest. Yes. I Big Bertha did not do well. No, it was painful. Through that, yeah. Yeah. The original winery, um, in Soto is located right at the end of where that Big Bertha was supposed to come out. And that was not fun. So I'm glad that's over. But you got the wall up. The, the seawall, all that's yeah, good? Yeah. I haven't been to Seattle for two years. I, I wonder why. Well, <laughs> between family and COVID, <laughs> not in the Logan got sweeter. It, really? It's what it's up, it, right? That's what I'm telling you. These, um, yeah, that's, it needs a little it time. And it's, it opens up. But, you know, I, I love making wines that will age. 
Um, yeah. So it's so fun to see as it evolves. This was tighter at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And now it has opened up and softened up really well. Yeah. This is delicious. These have been really fun wines. Speaking of wine, Shelley. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't put them on the, on the show notes. Oh. We had this week some of the wines. We had a Clearwater Canyon, Loksha 2020. Which is a Chardonnay-based. Chardonnay-based, yep. Sorry about that, Jody. That's fine. We had Waterbrook Chardonnay. Sorry, Jody. (laughs) We had a Sense Rosé 2018. By the way, we got that at uh, Grocery Outlet for $4 a bottle. It's a Weight Watchers wine. And we had a Davian Brown Vortex Red. And that came from, I think, the dinner party, but I'm not sure. So those are just a few wines that we had this week. And you ended the week with some amazing oh, wines. Gosh, so. this is, I'm looking at my notes. I'm, I think we covered everything. Oh, next week. Sancerre versus New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. That's supposed to be made in the spirit of Sancerre. Oh, Sancerre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, oh, that will be interesting. That's a Gary V. Um, Sauvignon Blanc that he and Sam Doyle, who will be on with us in August. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about announcements in the future, and then we'll wrap it up. That was the announcement. I, no, there's more. <laughs> Where are they? Well, we have International Prosecco Day. Pinot Noir. Oh, when's that? Are they on the back? That's <laughs> August thirteenth. Nice. Oh, maybe you didn't get that. And so we yeah, have International no, Prosecco Day. On your day. notes, not mine. <laughs> there's so many notes. <laughs> August thirteenth, Pinot 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 Noir. Pinwa Norde. Okay. Pinwa Norde. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little shout out to Diane. Diane is in the one side. Diana. Uh, Pinot Noir Day, uh, August 18th. Sam Doyle of Wine Library will be a guest in August. A special thanks to the Culinary Stone who sponsored this entire episode. We love that. And uh, we love them. We love them. Uh, Jody, any parting words of wisdom? Oh, you're putting me on the spot again. No, cheers. Enjoy. We'll do that. <laughs> cheers. Hashtag cheersing. With a little bit of knowledge, wine becomes... Oh, I have, to, I have to taste. With a little bit of knowledge, wine becomes a lot less overwhelming. We will see you next week. Thank you to Jody. Thank you to Vic. Uh, Vic decided to show up a few times tonight, and we love that. And we will see you next week for Sancerre versus Sauvignon Blanc. Thank you for spending part of your day to wind down with Shelly and Phil. Remember, you can listen to any episode of the Wine Time Fridays podcast by visiting winetimefridays.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And join us on our Wine Time Fridays Facebook page, Instagram, or on Twitter, which is at Vintage Tweets, for daily conversation. Until next week, here's our toast to you. To health, wealth, abundance, gratitude, peace on earth, and of course, Romance. What is what is phylloxera? It's a bad, bad. It's word. a little, mm-hmm. a little insect that actually really destroyed a lot of Europe a long time ago. And mm-hmm. how does how do how would people is bring well, it just? 
because on their shoes, yeah, exactly. Their exactly. I mean, is there? I mean, is it everywhere? It wasn't here for a long time. I don't think we really know how it got here again. Mm. It was in California a long time ago. Yeah. And in Europe. It's and then a whole bunch of stuff. And, and, and now it's back. Oh, okay. mm. So. And um, so there's vineyards that have been ruined? Yeah. And you have to wiped come. out Carmenere in Bordeaux mm -hmm. 200 and some years ago. And there are six Bordeaux grapes, but five now. Oh, Carmenere was one of them that got wiped out. They never replanted, but it went to Argentina. Yeah. Is that right, Chile? Yeah, so. How do they get rid of it? You pull out the vines, sterilize. I mean, it's mm -hmm. like you're turning over. Sterilizing the ground and everything? Or? Uh, yeah, that you know about that. I, I don't entire, entirely know how you actually get rid of it. Flamethrower? Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, you've got so much nutrients that's in the ground that you... You know, you got to preserve that terroir, but um, um, you have to replant with a different different varietal. Uh, apparently, doesn't like uh, Zinfandel or anything. Well, is that Zinfandel right? is more resistant more, to more, it, yeah, and that's why you have old vine Zinfandels mm -hmm. because they weren't wiped out. Okay, but it does like certain varietals more than others, and so. We have food and crackers here if you want something. I'm learning a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning a lot of words. Mm. Next word we're going to talk about is flatulence. We're <laughs> <laughs> not. That may make the front. <laughs> <laughs> that was you.